0: I don't see much point in creating absolutely brilliant posts to sit on your own blog when there's uh, very little traffic to it.
1: Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up, listeners? Welcome to Traffic Jam episode 71. I'm your host, James Reynolds. And right now, you're probably wondering where I've been. Um, It has been a few weeks now since we last recorded an episode. And what more can I say but sorry? Sorry. When your traffic is really cranking, then you tend to get quite busy. And we've just had a very intense period of onboarding customers for both SEO Sherpa or SEO agency and ClickJam, our performance media business. So uh, we're back, I think, to normal proceedings and really looking forward to putting out a few more episodes in the coming weeks. Starting with today, super excited to share this interview with you. It's with Aaron Aegis. And I came about Aaron through a recommendation from Dan Norris, our guest on episode 69. Aaron's from louderonline.com.au, an inbound marketing agency that do a lot of work in search, social, and content marketing, working with some of the biggest brands in Australia. Now, on this episode, you'll hear about some of the epic co-authored content pieces that Aaron has written with Neil Patel and the huge benefits that he's got from producing those. We'll also learn a little bit about his home base and outpost content strategy and what sort of mix he has between his own website and his contributions to sites like Search Engine Journal, HubSpot and others. We dive really deep into a lot of different areas of content, search and social, and I'm sure you're going to love this interview. So I guess without any further ado, let's welcome to Traffic Jam, Aaron Ages from louderonline.com.au. Hey, welcome back listeners. You're tuned into episode 71 of Traffic Jam and joining me today we've got Aaron Aegis from Louder Online in Sydney. So Aaron, how are you doing? I'm well.
0: I appreciate you having me here.
1: Well, great to have you on the show. Not quite sure where we're going to take this one yet, but I'm going to start by asking you about the two huge content pieces I noticed that you'd done with Quick Sprout, the complete guide to building your blog audience and the complete guide to building your personal brand. Now, I'm guessing that these two guides were able to generate a lot of traffic for Neil's site, but I'm curious as to kind of what the return was for you. How much did you get out of doing those two guides?
0: Yeah, it went really well um, you know from a, a purely monetization or ROI standpoint I, I had people coming to me immediately and, and looking for me to do work for them so um, it was it was well worth the time and effort put in there um, and I mean fr- from the other side of things from a branding perspective uh, it it did really well um, you know I, I wanted to get content out there that um, you know showed that we we knew what we're doing as a business and I knew what I'm doing as well. Um, but, you know, there, there isn't a massive audience on on our own blog. And so the idea is leverage where the, the traffic is and where we can get access to a lot of audience. And, and that's what we did.
1: Yeah. And I guess you also benefit from the implied authority of producing a content piece with Neil, who is a, you know, is a well-known name within the industry. Let's just clarify, though, how long were those pieces? They're, they're pretty long in length, right?
0: Yeah, between thirty to forty thousand words. Okay, <laughs>
1: not your average blog post. Let's put it like that.
0: <laughs> not at all. No, it was it was a, a decent amount of effort. Um, the the good thing is that this sort of content just flows. Like it, I, I don't find it hard to write or talk about this stuff at all. So there, there wasn't a challenge in, in knowing how it had to be put together. Um, so yeah, it, it it was good in the end. I, I was very happy with the results.
1: Now. By comparison, you also write, I believe, for entrepreneur.com and HubSpot and perhaps a few others where your posts are probably more typical in length, you know, sort of 1,000, 1,500 words or so. How does the relative effort to pay off compare between those types of posts and the huge amount of effort I'm guessing that was required to put in to produce those twenty to 30,000 word guides for Neil?
0: Yeah, um- I prefer to do the big ones and um, be able to get the, the big exposure and you know, put a lot of effort and focus into the one uh, sort of document or one body of work. But uh, the only reason I, I don't is because we're just restricted to the editorial guidelines of each of these sites. Mm. Uh, and so you know I, I contribute what we're allowed to contribute, max word counts and that sort of thing. And I, just, I, I do a lot more of them. I'm doing a lot on HubSpot, Search Engine Journal, um, Content Marketing Institute uh, and, and a range of other ones. So, just um, yeah, look, the, the return the return's good. I mean, um, you know, we're staying top of mind for these people. I'm staying top of mind. Um, you know, people reading their feeds and seeing my name multiple times so you know it does does have its benefits on that perspective as well
1: and that's actually something I wanted to ask you about I mean that you know not to dwell on the the piece you did with with Neil but that was his own branded content right despite the fact that I'm guessing that you put the vast majority of work into that whereas something that you would do on a entrepreneur a search engine journal carries your name it carries your personal brand with it as the author how important is personal branding to you?
0: Personal branding is huge for me, um, but as you suggested, um, the the association of having Neil and myself doing those those one big individual pieces, even if it was branded as Quicksprout and, and his site, that that worked out really well, um, and you know opens up a lot of other doors. Um, it, it's good to have the uh, other pieces directly published as my name on these other sites, um, but you know there's there's pluses and minuses to both sides.
1: Yeah. And how much traffic do you get from your guest posting activities? I mean, if anyone who's out there that has done guest posting before knows that referral traffic's not normally in abundance, even with the most trafficked of blogs, what sort of traffic directly are you getting from a typical post, let's say on HubSpot.com?
0: Yeah, look your statement's absolutely right. I would typically say get maybe 500 to 1,000 visits per post. Uh and that's that's never the the ultimate goal for me. Uh, the goal is um, the branding and getting my knowledge out there and getting people knowing that um, myself personally and our business uh, know what we're doing in this space and um, you know to just contribute to to the knowledge that's out there, help people where we can, and and hopefully uh, not hopefully it, it does bring business in as well. So it's worthwhile.
1: How strategic have you been with those content? contribution, opportunities in terms of selection? Um, I mean, they all seem extremely relevant to your business, which would make sense. But beyond that, how else have you decided which, you know, sort of third-party sites that you do want to contribute to?
0: Yeah, in in terms of the sites, it's largely come down to wanting to focus on those that are really high traffic within the industry and that we're going to get great exposure to, uh, you know, by posting on. Um, it's yeah, a lot of people go after just trying to do guest posts and get links on on hundreds of thousands of different sites and um and and think that, that that's going to do the job you know it, it might help with your search rankings to an extent but my my goal with this is not to try and improve search rank rankings as the, the main goal it is you know that the brand awareness the personal branding and and exposure to where the the existing community- exi- uh, is.
1: Absolutely. And I think I would vouch exactly the same for myself. When I mean, we do these types of things, it's really for the authority that we gain, not you know, just from being seen in those places, but being able to say that we are in those places to, you know, prospective customers. And I'm sure if, you know, you're dealing, Aaron, with pretty clued up um, business owners or marketing managers, they're probably going to have heard of entrepreneur.com or HubSpot.com or search engine journal. And to say that you are a contributor to those places already gives you that level of authority that perhaps your competition don't have, right?
0: Absolutely. You've nailed it. That's exactly right.
1: So, having looked at your own blog and then seen the activity, you know, on other sites that you are posting to, it seems to be that you're posting more often in other people's audiences or to other people's audiences than your own. What do you think is the right balance between outposts and kind of home-based content?
0: Yeah. Look, the reason that uh, I do that is largely because I want exposure to where the audiences already are, um, and. I uh yeah, we we're planning on doing a lot more with the blog and, and we have a lot of content that's sitting there ready to be published. But um, you know, I I, I just wanted to get the exposure in the right places first and, and really focus on that. I don't see much point in creating absolutely brilliant posts to sit on your own blog when there's uh very little traffic to it. So the the goal initially was get out there where the audience is. Um as as that's um are yeah, happening really well and we're getting referral traffic coming through, then start publishing some of our own posts where it's going to be seen by enough people.
1: And I think you would probably agree that your average customer isn't often going to your blog to check out your content. I mean that's not the the audience that you're focused to. You're not a you're not a, you know a teacher type market. You're delivering services to business owners, to marketing managers who want this stuff done for them. So they're not really there to be educated. They just want to know that they can trust you to deliver a job I would expect.
0: Yeah, I mean, we need to do it to show that we know what we're talking about, um, but outside of that, you're absolutely right, it's um, our target audience, we we don't particularly get a lot of leads or a lot of um, business through um, our own blogs on our website. Um, we, do get, we do get some coming through the guest posting that we're doing, but a lot of the business comes through um, referral uh, and, and other lead gen marketing activities that we're doing.
1: Well, as someone that does create a fair bit of content, what tips do you have for others who might struggle to create content with the same sort of velocity as, as you do, Aaron?
0: Yeah, there's, there's a few things. I mean, first, just practice writing. Get get some words out every day. Even if you're not know, following a certain train of thought, you just get something down and get in the habit of writing. It it, you know, it really builds up the time. The other thing is um, really the way that i write content is to be able to identify the sorts of questions people are having the problems people are having in the industry and um, simply write content that answers questions and solves problems um, and there's there's a lot of ways you can identify that you can check out um quora.com you can you know things like yahoo answers and Um, there's, there's ways of being able to see the problems people are having out there and, and simply focus on frequently writing and answering those questions and make sure it's tailored to the audience of, um, whichever site you're looking to post on.
1: And in terms of content structure, do you have any guidelines there? You said already that you prefer longer form content typically, but is that your norm or have you got some other sort of guides that you could properly share with us?
0: I, I, yeah, I do like to go longer form and um, the whole reason behind that is, um, you know, from a, a search perspective that um, longer form content tends to rank better, tends to um, perform better, um, you know, is more engaging, you can get more in there, a lot more detail. It just seems to, I, I prefer to do that. Like I said, I can I can write and talk about this stuff <laughs> a lot. So it just sort of it comes out. In terms of structuring, um, the way I put them together, I, I usually sit there and I think, now, what, what are those questions? What's a problem I'm trying to solve in this? Um, and I, I put down a few key points, just bullet points as to what I really need to hit during this piece. Um, then I start on the intro um, and go ahead and uh, talk to each of those points and, and do the uh, conclusion, making sure that I'm uh, trying to get people to engage in, in there in some point, in some way. Well,
1: it's interesting what you said about longer form content. With search and that's certainly true but it's also true i understand for socially shared content that longer form content generally gets shared more often and that is just because it it implies more value because there's a longer content piece there whether people actually read it or not is another matter but they tend to share it more because they think it's uh, got more value to their audiences when it's longer
0: yeah that's what we're seeing as well It, it does perform that way and and so while it does, I'm going to continue focusing on what works.
1: Well, it seems that a lot of content marketers you know, do spend a fair bit of time on their content, but often they neglect the promotion part. That's certainly been my experience anyway. What's your own process for promoting content once it's published to your site or another site that you might be publishing to?
0: Yeah, so, look, that, that's largely what that uh, document was, the, the complete guide to building your blog audience that uh, Neil and I put together. It's um, a really in-depth piece that really outlines the work effort we do in terms of the services for clients, um, in terms of content promotion. To, to summarize what's in there, we do a lot of um, you know, social distribution, some paid social. Uh, we do um, syndication and amplification services. We do influencer outreach. Um, you know, whatever we can do to start seeding eyeballs on that content, um, and hopefully, if the content has been created in a way that it aligns with a predefined strategy that we've helped clients with, then it should take on a life of its own and, and start to see the results from there.
1: Yeah. You're doing then what in terms of social distribution, because I know social does play a, a part in what you also do as a service with your business. What are you doing there, just just literally announcing on social platforms, or is it a little bit more uh, intricate than that?
0: Yeah, it's a bit more um, robust. I mean, we're, we're, before we put a piece together, we identify um, where the communities are socially. Um, different fan pages and what sort of hashtags are being used and, and what sort of volume are behind these and uh, we make sure we do the research first and then um, you know, we, the, the piece of content that we put together is usually done with a marketing first approach so uh, yeah, we, we identify that there's an opportunity to be able to s- distribute content in these areas to these people and these are the problems that they're having and so then we work back from there and, and put the piece together that enables it to be distributed well.
1: Yeah, understood. Well, we've mentioned Louder, um, websites, louderonline.com.au. I know you guys do a lot of inbound marketing of of various types. Part of that being, of course, search um, and more specifically SEO. As as someone who's kind of at the coalface with some major brands trying to work out SEO in 2015, what do you believe businesses should be focused on to get better search results in current times?
0: So it depends on the size of the site that we're looking at. Um, if if I'm looking at enterprise size sites, um, there's we find that you know that they've already got the links and the authority that they need. Um, a lot of it comes down to trying to resolve technical or um, IA issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, information architecture issues that exist on the site, um, problems that. That may have happened in their um, CMS over time and um, problems with missing content and that sort of thing. Even um, minor metadata changes can have a really big impact on um, enterprise sites. Um, if we're shifting back over to sort of um, small to medium sites, really it comes down to what we've been talking about the whole time. Get in there and be creating as much relevant content as possible, um, making sure that even if it's in how to format, just think about what exists in your space and the questions people are having and just write how-to answers um, that are as detailed as possible and and really build out that content do it consistently Um, you know that builds up the number of index pages that you've got uh, builds up the number of uh, linkable assets that you have on your site and it gives gives you a much greater opportunity to have uh, a lot more of your content shared socially and um, there's just, you know, it comes down to having great content. You know, sure, the, the technical aspects, the metadata, they're going to help. But on a small to medium sized site, you really need to build out content and, and do a lot of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't agree with that more. Well, you're not just an organic marketer. I know you've been getting pretty good results with Facebook PPC and, and fan pages from what I understand. Can you tell me about that strategy and what sort of results you've got?
0: Yes, so we, um, we're making sure that the clients that we're working with, that we're helping them understand that there's still a lot of cheap traffic that can come through Facebook. Um, it's What's great about it is the amount of targeting you can do and the you know, cost per click that you can get when buying likes to your fan page through you know, the official Facebook platform. Uh, it's it, it you know builds up an asset that you have there that you can continually remarket to. So for, for businesses that we're that we're working with, we're telling them straight away get get the fan page up, make sure that you you're buying um, likes to the fan page through Facebook. Um, and really targeting that uh, targeting your demographic and your audience to be really specific to those who are actually engaging with the content that you're putting on that fan page and get rid of anyone who's not engaging um, once that's happening you know you're building you're building some really good um engagement levels across the whole fan page, anything that you post that you want to drive traffic um, to your site with is you know is getting the right amount of clicks and is getting the right sort of people who are going to want to share it again socially so it's working out really well for us still and something I highly recommend to people.
1: Mm, yeah, there's still a huge amount of opportunity sitting on Facebook, despite the fact that people think the, the bubbles burst now and it's just too difficult to get reach and visibility on the platform. It's still a great place to be. And, and no doubt that's where your customers are, because everyone is on Facebook, as we know.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, those, th- and that's what I'm saying. If you, you keep tweaking your, um, your focus audience on, uh, on these paid ads, what's going to happen is the engagement level on your fan page. Is is boosted and you stay at this really high engagement level, so that you know these concerns over organic reach and um, there's a way of sort of countering that because you you're really boosting that overall um, engagement level it means that you know that it helps on that end. So yeah, I'm, I'm still happy pushing that. Um, what I don't promote, and um, that's just because of the way that we approach things. I'm sure it works for a lot of people. Is um, you know paying for traffic straight from Facebook and sending it off Facebook. Um you know the issue there is that you're um, you 're losing the the traffic you 're paying for that one click, and if you 're not convincing them straight away to opt into an email database or something like that, then you pay for that one click and you never get to market to them again so that 's why we focus on fan pages.
1: A good sort of addition to that is, is then adding Facebook remarketing. We've, we've had a couple of guests on the show who've gotten great success with almost an organic loop of Facebook marketing where you drive people off to a piece of content and then you remarket and offer to them back on Facebook. And I think that can work very well to sort of get over that, you know, that risk of losing the click, to, you know, sending them off to an offer straight away. But um, there's no doubt whatever way we, you know, we cut the cookie, there's still a huge amount of opportunity there.
0: Yes, absolutely. What you've said is spot on and, and we're seeing remarketing work really well for people.
1: Awesome. Well, I think we should probably get wrapped up there, Aaron. I want to mention your website. We have we have uh, mentioned it earlier in the interview, but it's louderonline.com.au. And where else should our listeners go to find out more about you?
0: Uh, look, you can find me on, on Twitter at uh, forward slash I am Aaron Aegis. Um, that's, that's probably where I'm most active. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. It, I do a, a lot of um, LinkedIn marketing and um, a lot of stuff with groups um, on LinkedIn and, and direct marketing, and I'm always sharing a lot of good content there, so feel free to find me there.
1: Awesome. Well, to you, the listener, those links and all of those mentioned by Aaron in today's show will be listed on trafficjamcast.com forward slash 71. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 71. Welcome back. That was Aaron Aegis from louderonline.com.au. Thank you for listening into to episode 71. And now we're back on track. We should be back with another episode very, very soon, hopefully as soon as next week. So stay tuned for that. Now, to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes, subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher Radio by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes and trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. Now, for a direct link to all the bonuses that come with this episode, including downloadable MP3, full transcript of today's show, plus a full mind map with my very own personal notes from the session, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 71. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 71, where, of course, you can also join in on the discussion for this episode. Now, we end the show as we do every week with a traffic jam chosen by our guest. Aaron Ages has gone for a little hip hop number Let Me Clear My Throat by DJ Cool, Doug E. Fresh, and Biz Markey. So enjoy the track, and I'll see you back here real soon.
2: One, two, three, come on. We got DJ Cool and Dougie Fresh. Ragger to the beat, because we are in the best. We got Doggy e. Fresh and Biz Markey. to the beat, and the place to be. We got Biz Markie. And see, 20, so with you all day. I'm all sugar. Yo, up yo tell us mama
1: traffic jam podcast with james reynolds to know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes check out the website trafficjamcast.com